0: From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair. What a wonderful guest we have for you this evening. Dan Egan is joining us. Dan, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with us.
1: George, you know how important the first chair is to me. It's buzzer <laughs> to buzzer. Uh, you got to be on the first or the last chair. So you got the greatest podcast name on the planet.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. Well, Dan, I think we're going to have a really fun chat today about the line you see versus the line you ski. But before we get into that, let's talk about uh, some revamps you're making to your book, All Terrain Skiing. Uh, I think this is uh, actually really valuable.
1: Well, you know, it's so interesting because uh, I wrote All Terrain Skiing in 1996. And, uh, you know, I. You know, I want to think of myself as a very cutting-edge uh, figure in the ski industry, but in, in all-terrain skiing, I failed to mention the development of shaped skis. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and I don't know how I missed that that freight train that was coming down literally months after I published. But, uh, but what was so fun about doing all-terrain skiing was um, all-terrain skiing was a multimedia uh product it had a, a book it had a, a VHS tape that accompanied the book with all the drills and skills in the t- on the tape including dry land and on snow and then inside the book there were uh flash cards that were laminated and weatherproof and they were the chairlift uh, uh chairlift ski cards that you would you know designed to be in your pocket they were flashcards with all the drills and skills and uh you know it, to, to think that in this day of apps and and YouTube and all the different media formats we have to teach uh, back in 1996 it was a laminated flashcard um, but the idea between those three elements was you could read the book watch the video you could imitate the moves uh, dry land and then take it to snow and have the cards with you uh, to do the drills <clears throat> and you know some of the drills you know I, I had written a after uh missing the freight train of uh, shaped skis with my book uh you know uh uh rick rick hall at skiing magazine asked me to write a uh, an article uh called the lost art of skiing what, what was going to happen to all of the movements that we had as skiers on straight skis and what would be lost with shaped skis um and you could take that the next step what's been lost with wide skis and you know all-terrain skiing the reason why i want to re-release it is because all these years teaching my camps and clinics around the world but mainly here at big sky i see the lack of movement in skiers and although because of the wider wasted skis people can now float or glide on snow they're not moving very much they're skidding a lot they're twisting their foot a lot but the up and down, the reach, the, the, the dynamic motion that we was essential to skiing on a straight ski really essentially has started to become lost. So, so I want to bring this back to light because as an instructor and a coach, I still teach a lot of movement. Movement is control. Um, and I know, you know, it goes against some of the grain. Of traditional ski teaching about coming up or versus moving through. These sort of terms I've never really been comfortable with. I still teach up before we go through, but that's that's just the way I am. Uh so you know, I, I'm re-releasing all terrain skiing, volume two, with an app this time, no VHS, no flashcards. <laughs> uh, on, and I'm addressing shaped skis and wide skis, but also talking about. Why these movements are important and essential to our ski technique even today?
0: So, Dan, you didn't see shape skis coming, nor did you see DVD or Blu-ray. Or <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true, <laughs> yeah. But you had a real
0: vision on how we should be skiing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's amazing how to you know you, it's
1: just fascinating today but you know to to think about you know today there is a lot of great apps out there and and a lot of good you know that this sort of the carve you know the technology about pressuring your skis and all this sort of information we're getting a lot of data right um and regardless of the data we're gathering whether it's bode's new you know system or the carve system it's all going to come back down to movement um and and we need it. So, you know, I think it's super important, uh, you know, and, and, you know, being an East coast, New Hampshire guy, you know, look, stem Christie's stem turns, like I still use them, you know? Um, and I don't know why we're afraid of some of that stuff some days.
0: Now, Dan, we're talking a lot about movement, And yet you and I are are aging (laughs) and some of those movements are are a little more difficult than they used to be. (laughs) And I love what you said when we were talking before we uh, started recording, and I'm actually using this as the title of the podcast. You were talking about the line you see versus the line you ski. Can you expound on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, just, uh, you know, full transparency you know, these days when I go out and ski, and, and I still ski, you know, a lot um, every every day, um, you know, there's an internal debate between my younger self and my older self. And, uh, you know, when I look down a, a, a slope, when I look down a chute, when I look down a mogul line, I see the line that uh, Dan Egan would ski, right? Uh, the younger Dan Egan that would just get it right into that fall line and really ski it. Um, and then the reality of you know being fifty eight, having a swollen, you know, and feeling my aches and pains at certain days, and needing to warm up more, and 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 it, it becomes the line I I ski versus the line I see. So, and what's interesting about that is my younger self standing on top will look down and see the line I would ski, but my older self will adapt, underway in the line adapt the line uh maybe delay a turn skip a rut you know find actually a smoother way and i was skiing with a longtime friend of mine the other day uh who you know is quite a bit younger and i've been skiing with him his whole life and he goes you know look uh the the mark of a true pro is when you get tired you actually get smoother and we're on our third day of ripping together and he's like and this afternoon, this is, on the third afternoon, you're the smoothest you've been the whole time. So, like, you must be exhausted. <laughs> and he was right, you know. It's like, uh, so I think, you know, the line I ski these days has a lot to do with finding the uh, the real intricate parts of the line. Uh, you know, the part of the mogul that is going to give me the biggest platform, uh, the longest slope lose the most vertical? How am I going to tie together one rut line into another rut line instead of just hammering straight down the fall line? And, of course, all of this is possible because of the, the new skis, right? I, we, of course, we're calling them new, but they're not new anymore. Uh, but, you know, the wider ski is allowing a lot more drifting um, in our turns than ever before, uh, way more than actually shaped skis ever did, too. Uh, and that drifting, uh, and the playing of edge angle is critical these days. You know, um, I spend, uh, I think you and I talked about this the first time we were, I was on the podcast. I spend most of my time trying to get people to lower their edge angle. Um, you know, if, if edging was slow, Bodie Miller would do it right. So it's pure acceleration, uh, when you, when you hammer the edge and I think these wider skis, Uh, Really, the the goal here is to lower the edge angle, and let the the surface area do the work. Um, And this is one of my, you know, things I'm bringing out in All-Terrain Skiing 2, Volume 2, and and will again when when I release Mastering the Skiing Mind, is our ski technique, our teaching techniques, have not necessarily kept up with the wide variety of equipment on the market today, you know. it's virtually impossible. I have a group of seven people show up to one of my camps. Guaranteed, they're all going to be on seven different types of skis, Uh, whether it's going to be an early rise, uh, it's going to be a width issue. Uh, So there's no way teaching one technique to those seven people is going to resonate, right? We really need to start thinking about how we teach and how we adapt what we teach to the equipment people are showing up on.
0: You know, and that brings me into the question I was just going to follow up with. Again, with the line you see and the line you ski, how does equipment affect that? And as as instructors, when we're looking at the people that we're working with, our guests, um, you know, do we want to try to get into their heads and see the line that they see?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, or the line they don't see. Exactly. There you go. You know, yeah, because... uh, because what's happening, of course, uh, a lot of people are skiing without intention, without purpose. Uh, and, they, and and that's due to how well we're grooming our slopes these days. So when you're skiing without intention or without purpose, in other words, you're not having an eye-foot uh, intention, um, then you don't actually ski a line. And once you start to introduce... This idea of intentional skiing with a purpose, whether it's to be smoother, whether it's be more stable in the arc of the turn, whether it's to be more efficient, people are like relieved, like they, they're drinking out of the fountain. Give me more of that because, oh, I never thought about skiing with such intention before uh, and what a difference it makes. So. Uh, I I think part of changing a skier's paradigm is illustrating to them the line they should be skiing.
0: And how do we go about that when we're, uh, what are you looking for with the people who come to your camps about uh, picking a line? How do you get that across to the people that you're working with and that we're working with as instructors?
1: Well, I think, one, we have to be careful that we don't just always fall into a line that an expert skier would ski. Right. I think a lot of instructors fall into that trap. The line they might ski is never going to be the line. You know, somebody who's skiing five, six, seven days, 10 days a year is going to ski. Right. Correct. So how do we adapt our expectations to, to meet what they you know, to them would be a huge improvement. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of sort of uh, perfectionism is going to deteriorate what you show your client a line should be. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to show my clients a line that's going to include skidding, <laughs> drifting, right, uh, delaying a turn. I'm going to teach them these tactics so that they can get around rocks, bumps, and stumps. And, and exchange the way they see the slope uh, to bring them into terrain they may not thought think they could have gone.
0: And Dan, do you feel that's cutting edge or uh, something that we've been doing? How can we learn to bring that into our teaching?
1: Well, I think, you know, one of the things I, I talk to a lot of instructors about is the idea of bringing bringing, what is the purpose of the student, what, what is it that they want to achieve? I mean, do we take a real look at the person that wants to keep up with their kids that would like to step out into the moguls or the powder? Um, one day go heli skiing in Alaska. Like do we understand what their purpose is? And once we understand what their purpose is, are we good enough coaches and instructors to change what we're going to teach to meet their intention, right? Or are we so pigheaded that we're constantly force feeding them what we think they should learn, right? This is that whole idea of, uh, of really communicating with the client. I mean, it's one thing to say to the client, you know, have the client say, well, today, you know, I I really want to work on my pole plants. Well, okay. Yeah. We can work on the pole plants, but why? What is it about your pole plants? Well, I want to get quicker in moguls. I want to make a quicker turn. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm understanding more, right? So, I might, you know, I might teach a, a mogul pole plant completely different uh, than I might teach uh, somebody just learning how to pole plant or get their uphill hand at the right level and stop, you know, stop dragging it, you know. So those sort of things. So I, I would really think that we need to pay attention. We need to listen as instructors with intention to what those, uh, clients have as purpose. What do they want to achieve?
0: My gosh, Dan, it sounds like we're talking about people skills. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an ongoing thing, right? I know even for myself, uh, it's an ongoing thing to, to, to take time, uh, out of my own head to get in somebody else's, um, and you know, lucky for me, I, I don't really care too much about my, you know, my own. T- I always say uh, my technique is questionable at best, right? Like, uh, <laughs> there's plenty of people that can architurn better than me. I'm not worried about that. Uh, for me, it's more that, that joy, the pleasure. Uh, so I think that takes a, an edge off of my own teaching because I'm seeking something else other than a perfect car of turn.
0: Now, when is the new edition of all-terrain skiing going to be available? Do you have any date for us? Yeah, we're
1: ready to go. You know, I'm going over to Switzerland uh, to shoot all the media for the app uh, next week, actually. And so the book's done. It's uh, cover design's done. Uh, we're just they're waiting on me to get this media project <laughs> finished. So uh, you know, I launched thirty years with in a white haze last March. And I think we're, we would be somewhat on track, uh, but we might delay and have, have a mid-summer release on, uh, all skiing going to.
0: What are your plans, uh, in the immediate future of this season?
1: You know, I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm still trying to go with the belief that, uh, travel's going to be okay. <laughs> and, uh, I'm heading over to Switzerland. They heard it ski lax uh, here in January and, February, I'm heading over to Engelberg. We're taking Marcus Cast in on a trip uh, and got a bunch of clients heading over to Engelberg, <laughs> over to Engelberg. And then in February and April, I'll do my standard uh, stint over in Val Dessert for a month. Uh, and in between that, I'm loving it here, skiing Lone Peak and Big Sky. So uh, I'm not, I'm not bored. That's for sure. Well,
0: as I said at the beginning, it is always a pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on First Chair. Hey,
1: uh, if you're going to be on the first one, make sure you're in the last one, too, George. All
0: right. Dan Egan. (laughs) And from the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.